Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. A couple of weeks ago, we traveled to the UK and I spoke to a wonderful gentleman by the name of Duncan Wheeler. Now, Duncan has an, uh, an established and distinguished background in academy football and scouting, but he's also founded a company called Tour For You. And so I encourage you to check out that podcast and check out what he done, what he does, because we went into a lot of details about what it would be like if your child played football in London. And we got some more shows um, lined up for you guys in the future. And I'm constantly trying to book guests to learn about this thing called soccer, also known as football around the world. And this show is brought to you in part by Anytime Soccer Training. And by now you should know that Anytime Soccer Training is the only training application that has over 1,000 training videos and 101 fun soccer games. And another thing we're adding this week at at the um, moment that I'm recording this podcast is we're adding challenge videos. So if you can picture this, each move in the program has its own video for you to practice. And we did that inspired in part by my children and the children that I work with that you want them to really be able to have an opportunity to master one move at a time and then we combine it. Well, um, again, I do work with my own children and I test the product constantly with the children I train and they really love the challenges that we that we do at a training clinic. So again, I'm building this thing for something that's going to last forever for you guys and something that my boys are going to enjoy as well. So this week, you're going to start seeing if you use the product, you're going to start seeing us add these challenge videos to the curriculum just to get them to try their best without mom and dad having to um um, yell at them to do it. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go to anytime-soccer.com, join the mailing list, join the seven-day free uh, ball mastery challenge, or sign up for free, and we'll send you all this content, um, and you can see how the application works. No credit card, no nothing. It's totally for free. All right, so now let's go on to the show, and so in today's show, it's going to be really quick, I hope, And we are really going to get into the weeds of something that, again, is a nuanced point that I don't see taught ever, actually, ever in soccer training. And there's three reasons why I never see it. Number one is because I'm not a coach in that capacity, so I'm not up close and personal with the coaches that work with my children. So maybe they do teach it and I just don't notice it. Uh, The second reason is because the kids I train don't seem to have this ability, so they're not being taught it, or if they are being taught it, it's not, they're not retaining it. And then finally, when I am up close and personal with coaches, or I do talk, or training sessions, or I do speak to coaches, no one ever mentions it, so I thought I would go ahead and drop it in this podcast. So the title of this podcast is the second 
most important skill in youth soccer that's never taught. So it's the second most important skill in youth soccer that's never taught. And if you don't know the first most important skill in youth soccer that's never taught, I encourage you to, to click in the show notes below and listen to the first, the podcast I did on the most important skill in youth soccer that's never taught. And I'm going to give you a quick rehash of that as well. But even if you have listened to that podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Because even when I listen to these things again, as the person who's done it, I actually pick up things that um that I forgot. Okay. So what is the first, what is the most important skill in youth soccer that's never taught? Well, that is the ability to dribble or touch the ball with every single step. And I'm not going to lecture you on why that's so important. You need to listen to that podcast. But I will give the highlights. Number one, it's a measurable way that I can communicate to my boys or to a group of players that they all get it and they're all on the exact same page. So if I said to them, keep the ball closed, that means something different to each one of them. If I say to them, you have to execute this particular drill and you need to touch the ball with every single step, that means the exact same thing to all of them. And I immediately know if they are not able to do it. It's transparent. And again, that gets into uh, you listening to this uh, podcast can picture immediately what it's like to touch the ball with every single step. Again, if I said keep the ball close, that could mean something different to you than me. So it's very transparent. It's a practical soccer skill. So, you know, 99% of the time in soccer, there's going to be a defender near you. So it's extremely rare that you need to dribble with a gate or push the ball far enough to where you cannot touch it with every single step. So conversely, what that means is the mo most of the times that a youth soccer player that I see loses the ball, the majority of times they lose it from a technical perspective, not tactical, like they don't understand what's going on or you know some other reason, but purely technical, meaning their mind knows exactly what they wanna do. They analyze the situation. They're trying to do roughly the right thing and um, and technically they lose the ball. It's because they do not have the ability to uh, touch the ball or dribble the ball with every single step. That's a longer way of saying the touch, it lets them down, right? You hear people say this all the time, but in a training environment, your touch lets you down doesn't mean anything to a kid. You don't have the ability to touch the ball with every single step does in a training environment so that's no that's why they end up losing the ball and then there are occasions and rare occasions when you are not near a defender and then you will kick the ball further and chase it or kick it to and run two or three paces and then catch the ball but with my sons and the people and the kids that I teach this concept to but mainly with my sons that's intentional they know exactly what they're doing which means that they can travel mm, 80, maybe 80% of the, their speed, 90, and touch the ball with every single step. And if you join the Anytime Soccer tra Training Facebook group, I share videos of my boys, number one, because I'm proud of them and I'm just a proud father. And, I, and also I want to keep that, get that stuff on Facebook so that if I lose it, at least I have some kind of... Uh, um, storage backup so i'm proud of them so i share it there but i'm also 
sharing that stuff because I'm an open blanket. So I want open books. So I want you guys to see in real time what it is that I'm actually talking about, what I'm seeing through my own sons and I'm using them, I guess is a case study. And they're going to hear this and they're going to laugh, but that's the only way I can do it because without video, we're just talking in theory. So I posted a video a few weeks ago of my son, one of my son, my older one dribbling through basically half the team, but he was touching the ball with every single step and moving with a lot of pace. Okay. And then there is the final point to that and why it's so important is the consistency. So what happens in many youth soccer training environments that I see anyways, is you can have the kids do a drill one week and then you come one day and then you come back the next day and ask them to do the same drill and there's no level of consistency. Well, when you have to touch the ball with every single step and then you measure out the um, drill that you want them to do, let's say drill from here, a point A to point B, then you know if it took them two touches or three touches to, on, on Monday, then it should take them two or three, depending on the situation, on Tuesday, right? It shouldn't be five on Monday and three on Wednesday. And when I and the kids that I train, I'm watching that like a hawk. And so I know immediately if they're having issues with their touch because of the number of touches they take. And then the drill just becomes how fast can you get those same amount of touches in and maneuver the ball in the exact same way um, and do it over and over and over again. And we're going to have a conversation about unopposed uh, training and the role that unopposed moves has in youth soccer. From my opinion, I gave one opinion, which is working in an unopposed environment is the only way that the individual can work, right? Because opposed implies that someone has to be with you. And I don't, I'm an agency guy. I'm a self-determination guy. I don't, I would not create any scenario where my boys needed other people to get better. So I've, I've talked about that, but I'll talk about the soccer perspective as well. And one of the things I think is missing in this unopposed versus opposed debate when it comes to the soccer perspective is they don't implement the constraints and the measurements um, in an unopposed environment uh, that uh, makes that unopposed environment uniquely challenging and uniquely testing and uniquely um, just unique, unique in that I can evaluate your mastery in a purely technical perspective because I've set it up so structured and so um uh, so consistent and so measured i don't know if i'm using the right words that it's easy for me to determine your technical proficiency in a way that i cannot do in an opposed environment and so what that effectively means is there's some advantages to an opposed environment there are obvious obvious advantages but there's some unique advantages to an unopposed environment. But if you don't leverage those unique advantages, you may not see um, those benefits. And those are some of the benefits that I see in an unopposed environment, but it's very difficult for me to explain to someone who doesn't do that because to them, I'm just, I'm talking about something that they don't even see. 
So we'll do a podcast on that at some point. Well, this is a good segue into the second most important skill that's not taught, which you can only really do in an unopposed environment. And again, we're going to get into the weeds a tiny bit. It's not overly complicated, but it's just something that I see so much that it may be a little difficult to explain. And so with that being said, I'll try to post a video in the in the Facebook group as well. So let me let me tell you the end of the story first, and then we'll go we'll go back to this to the skill. In the anytime soccer training curriculum, we have a series of dribbling drills. Um, one is line cone drills, where you just have the cones in the line and you dribble. We have another one that's called the five star dribbling. Um, drills and that's where you dribble basically in a five-star pattern and it's really just a lot of combinations of um, figure eight drills right and the reason we use that five-star pattern is because it's an opportunity for the kid to get a lot of touches and turns with all parts of the foot in a relatively short period of time well at the very beginning of that um uh, of those two modules, I introduce a concept that I call tight control dribbling. Now, tight control dribbling is not unique. Most coaches and people understand that. But in the instructions, uh, and if you use the app, it'll make more sense to you, but I'm going to add some, some instructions in the app as well if you're not listening to this podcast. I asked the player to touch the ball at least five times in between the two cones. So if we got two cones that set, let's say two feet apart or one foot apart, I'm asking the player to touch the ball at least five times in between those cones. And, and I was training one of my friend's daughters and he asked me, well, how's that, you know, how's that relevant to the game? Right? How, how, you know, why is all these little baby touches relevant to the game? And so then that made me think, okay, how can I uh, explain this uh, in a way that, uh, that closes the loop and helps people get it? And, and when I do explain this, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe it's not relevant and you can let me know in the Facebook group. So to the punchline, the second most important skill that's not taught in youth soccer is the ability of the of the player to separate the speed that they move their foot and touch the ball so the speed that they move their foot and touch the ball with the distance the ball travels all right i'm gonna repeat that the second most important skill that's not taught and definitely not practiced enough in team environments, especially, is the ability of the player to move, to separate, sorry, to separate the speed at which they move their foot, i.e. touch the ball, and the distance that ball travels. So, if you are in any social media space or you're into uh, soccer at all, you have probably seen a video of Messi dribbling past a lot of players and keeping the ball close. 
And you will likely have seen some kind of video where whoever's posting it is explaining why it's so important to be able to dribble in tight places, spaces. And if you are into soccer like we are, you have likely seen videos where kid where there are a lot of cones laid out and then kids are asked to dribble freestyle mainly uh, any kind of way like a maze through the cones with light touches and trying not to not to hit the cones we have that in the um, anytime soccer training app as well we have that same drill so you've probably seen that because that's a very important skill and finally you've probably seen videos of kids doing amazing ball mastery work and moving their feet really fast, like doing all this kind of stuff and they're doing it really fast. So you've probably seen that as well. So all these things you've probably seen. And obviously that's the finished product and that is good and that's what you wanna see. But when you're working with a, with a foundation player at the at the early, early stages, and there are gonna be many parents of foundation players listening to this podcast, you're gonna see that they can't separate how fast they move their feet with how far they kick the ball. Now, I'm gonna say something that, and then I'm just a little off script, and then I'm gonna go back to how I implement this in a training environment. I don't know exactly how players get there organically on their own, right? Because my boys are young and, and they only have me in training them as their reality. So I don't have a sample of a, an 11 year old who doesn't receive this uh, particular lesson and see how they turn out. I, I do have a sample of hundreds and thousands of them who don't get any of this training. I see how they turn out. But I don't see one that gets all the stuff I'm teaching them except that and see how they turn out. So I think organically the players get there. So the purpose of this show is to say, um, but we can accelerate that development if you teach them this when they're really young. And, um, and I share these videos with my boys so you can see what accelerated development looks like and whether or not that's, I don't want to get into a pissing match on you know, how good they are compared to other kids. That's not the purpose. It's really for you to get a visual demonstration of what I'm actually trying to trying to share with you. So that's an aside to say that they'll probably get there eventually, but we're just accelerating that development at home um, because no one else is going to do it but us. Okay. So what that looks like on a training environment is when they do these drills, when I first start working with a kid that does these drills and I tell them they got to dribble five, at least five touches, they had to touch the ball at least five times between the cones. They literally cannot do it. They, they cannot kick the ball that lightly. So they always do it like two or three touches or whatever. And then after about, you know, a couple of minutes where I really keep kicking the ball back, like, look, you got to touch the ball five times in this small little space. They get that, but they, they can only do it really slowly and that's fine that's where you want them to be but then over time as they get better at it they can move the ball um and they can they can touch the ball it, it, with lightning speed almost like happy feet with lightning speed but not touch the ball um and move the ball that that far okay 
And then the next skill, um, the, the, or the next variation of that, or I guess you'd say the, the next level of that is the ability to do that, but touch the ball as many times as I ask you to do, given the same space. So for example, with my older son, it's very easy for me. I, I've said, you know, I set two cones two feet apart and um, I say easy for me, easy for him, sorry. Um, it's easy for me because now he knows how to do it. Set two cones two feet apart and say, hey, you need to touch the ball going diagonally 30 times before you get to the other cone. His mind and his touch are so refined that he can just move his feet lightning speed and touch the ball 30 times before it gets there. And I say, okay, next time you need to touch it 10 times. His mind and his uh, speed, his touch are so in tune that now he can touch it 10 times. And that brings me to another point. So there's another um, video in the program where we, where the kids do inside, outside. This is a very common um, drill, inside, outside with individual feet, okay? So they do it with the left foot and then they do it with the right foot and then they do it with both foot, feet, inside, outside, moving the ball inside, with touching the ball with the inside of the foot, touching the ball with the outside of the foot. And in this particular one, as part of the Dribble Master series, they are traveling. So I'm asking them to travel. Okay. So what I can do is, and they have to do the same move because again, they do the same move over and over. They do the same move five times. So I can set two cones of, uh, a distance, maybe 40 yards, and I can ask them to do it. And I can monitor how much they do it. Now, when you do that drill, what kids tend to do is they do the inside outside. And they what they tend to do is they do the inside outside too slow. So they move their foot too slow and they push the ball too far. And you may not be able to picture this. You may not be able to picture this. And so I'm going to do a video and put it in the Facebook group. But if you ask a kid to do inside, outside, moving forward, they will move their feet side to side too slow and they will push the ball too far. But the purpose of that move in general is for them, if they're about to get into a 1v1 situation, and you'll see this kind of, um, you'll see this often if you watch like, you know, soccer, maybe watch a Martial, he does this a lot. They are, they are slowly moving their feet side to side because they're setting up that defender to see what they're going to do. And then when that defender commits or whatever, then they make a quick burst. So you don't want them going side to side slow and pushing the ball too fast, far, because they're going to be pushing the ball into the, in, right into the defender. But more importantly is you want them to be able to separate the behavior, I guess you'd say, of touching the ball side to side, how fast they do that, with how far they push the ball. And so the way I teach them this is I'll say, okay, we set two cones up 40 yards. I'll use that as an example. And I'll tell them to do it. And the first time they do it, they're going to be pushing the ball too far and moving too slow. So I'll see sort of where they end up. Right. And I'm and in my mind, I'm counting their touches and I'm seeing where they end up. And most times they'll go further than wherever I set the cones. OK, then there's a 10 second rest. So then the next time I'll tell them, OK. And I use Kevin. Kevin is a kid I'm training right now. All right, Kevin, you got to get 60 touches. Now, remember, the timer is set for 30 seconds. So that means they need to get. You know, two touches a second. Right. 
So that's letting them know how fast I need to move my foot side to side. 60 touches. You got to get 60 touches. And you cannot pass the end marker. So that's letting them know roughly, boy, I got to get 60 touches. I got to move my foot fast. And I got to travel to the end, but I can't travel too far. And I can't travel too short. So it's just like anything else. The first time they do it, now that I've given them this instruction, normally they don't move their foot fast enough. But they and then they go too far. And then when they get close to the end, they realize, oh, man, I need to slow down because I have more time than space left. OK, then the next time they do it again, they get a little bit better They get a little bit better. And and then by the next time they do it, they they're normally able to accomplish because I said 60 it's whatever the kid le kids levels at. they're normally able to accomplish it where they can get the speed of touchdown and the distance traveled down and they have been able to separate the two and so then that creates a benchmark for me so then and normally with this kind of situation i might even measure out exactly the distance so that i can remember it for the next day that we do it again and the kid can as well and then what we do is all right then i say okay in this case kevin you need to get 75 so you got to get 75 touches so that means you got to move and I explained this to him, actually. Now you see what you got to do. You got to move your foot faster, but you have to travel the same distance. And what I'm trying to tell you is, in general, um, there is the kids have, or anybody, this is natural, a relationship between the speed at which they move their foot and the distance they um, uh, kick the ball. And, and actually, this is a natural relationship that you're trying to decouple, right? Like, think about it. If Think about baseball. The, the harder you swing your arm, presumably the, the faster you're going to throw the ball, right? Well, in soccer, we're saying the actually the actual opposite. And that's why skill acquisition, that's one of the many reasons why skill acquisition takes so long, because now you're asking the person to use a part of their body that they don't use in this way ever, right? It's not like their hands. Then you're asking them to... Um, move that part of their body which they don't use in this way normally as fast as they can but don't kick the ball or don't put too much force on the ball and this is a skill that you have to practice but when they master this skill then they're able to dribble really fast in tight tight spaces um and pass for that matter in tight tight spaces without kicking the ball very far and Again, I'll use my son, for example, to say that, oh, he rarely loses the ball in, in these types of situations. Now, part of that is because in, I don't intentionally put him in one of these leagues where they're playing, quote unquote, whatever they consider to be their top team because of, for a lot of different reasons. So as the competition um, picks up, that will break down some, but still, it's still pretty heavy competition. And it's just from working on that that he's able to he don't really lose the ball because of touch he loses it for a lot of other reasons but it's not because his touch lets him down not normally so um that is my tip i try to keep it short i i wonder about this one because i'm not i'm not sure any people can picture it but i'm putting this out there for public consumption um so that we can discuss it on the Facebook group. So, so to put this in a bow and to, summar, and to summary and to summarize it, the most important skill that's not taught is the ability to touch the ball with every single step.
And then the second most important skill that's not taught, which is the cousin to that, is the ability to separate the speed at which you move your foot from the distance it travels. And it can go conversely, meaning you can move your foot slow, but kick the ball far. I mean, this is possible as well. But you just want to separate that in your brain from um, those two behaviors where they're totally, totally, totally isolated events and very intentional. All right. So again, if you cannot picture what I'm saying, let's talk about it in the Facebook group. Um, let's post videos. I'm happy to go out into the field and post a video. It won't be very professionally done. You guys know how I do it, but I can post a video to show you guys exactly what I'm talking about. I've done it before, but it's probably in the obscurity of the Facebook group at this point. So I can, I can kind of rehash that one out. All right, guys, and please check out anytime-soccer.com. It's free to join. People are joining like crazy. They're seeing a thousand videos and they are getting better. So please check out anytime-soccer.com. Let's get better together.